Um, I'd love to invite Lucy and Sue to come up. Lucy, uh, one of our church members, also a trustee of Emmanuel International. I think you're going to do a little interview, aren't you, to start with. Thank you so much. So I'm also advocate for Emmanuel International. So if there's anything you'd like to know about Emmanuel International, um, then do contact me or and I can forward your queries to Sue if I can't answer them. So anyway, Sue, what is Emmanuel International, or EI as we often call it? So Emmanuel International is a small charity. Whoa. Is a small charity and... Um, we partner with local churches around the world to help them, strengthen them to meet the needs of their communities. So our aim is to empower and build the capacity of the church. And what's your role in EI? I'm the general manager of the EI UK office. Sounds very grand. There's two of us. Um, <laughs> and what, the, what Linda doesn't do, I do. I'm sort of doing church contacts, uh, personnel care, I do the finances, I do all of the sort of admin type things. And is EI just UK based? I know we're an international organization, so we started in Canada. Uh, we have offices in the uh, US. Um, some of our project countries have become affiliate offices too, so we're registered in Malawi, in Brazil, and the Philippines also. Uh, so yeah, it's a, definitely an international organization. And have you visited any of the projects? Yes, I've been privileged to visit all of our project countries and see the work firsthand. Uh, I've also um, spent time on a project. I spent my first a year with Emmanuel International living in a tent in the mountains in Jamaica doing children's ministry. And so why does Christchurch Purley support Emmanuel International? Well, Christchurch Purley is instrumental in who Emmanuel International is. Um, some of you may know uh, John Carroll, who was a previous vicar here. He's the founder of Emmanuel International UK. Uh, based on a relationship he had in Aden doing his national service with a missionary from Canada who was uh, working there. So Christchurch has, has been involved from the beginning, from our registration date. In fact, uh, I had my interview to join Emmanuel International in your vicarage. Thank you. Okay. So just before we uh, start, there's two sides to this. I'm going to show you a presentation and let you know uh, some of the things that are going on. And then I'm going to share with you about um, the psalm that we've already heard this morning. But I need to give you two random facts about myself just to help, um, when it, uh, help out later on. Um, I was born just outside of Liverpool. I grew up there. And I was... I wouldn't say a rebellious child. I was a very, very quiet child. So where this streak in me came from, I have no idea. But my extended family supported Liverpool. You know, obvious thing to do when you're born just outside of Liverpool. 
Uh, the problem is, I decided I was going to support Everton. <laughs> so at six, I got a full Everton football kit and was uh, reasonably thrown out of some of my family's homes. Um, so where that came from, I have no idea, but I supported Everton and still do. The other random fact about myself is when I became a Christian at 14, I was not from a Christian family, so I had no understanding of a relationship with God. So when I became a Christian, I said to God, you can have my life, but you don't get my career. I know what I want to do. Okay? You don't do that. Anyways, <laughs> they're the two random facts. You'll uh, use them later. So I'm here primarily to say thank you um, because over the years you have not only prayed for us but you have financially supported us uh, very strongly and so I just wanted to show you I was originally coming when EI was celebrating their 35th birthday um, but you know COVID had other plans and so that was changed so this was to just let you know how some of the money that you have given us have been has been used my research is only since I was back in the UK. I spent 20 years working with Emmanuel International in uh, Canada in the international office. So um, I haven't been able to go back further than that. But these are some of the things that you have done together with us to make a difference. Thank you. So we have been able to bring clean water to within 400 meters of many homes in two villages uh, that you have helped us support. This has made a huge difference to them, saving time and energy and also improving their health. Yes, sorry. Um, also, being able to bring water to schools, uh, three schools, in fact, that you've been involved with. Uh, by bringing water into the schools, it makes a huge difference. Uh, children were were ordinarily having to carry water to school. Having school, water in the school means that children can focus on their education. It also means that many of these schools are rural, so the teachers have to stay. And by having water, it means they stay, as opposed to going, I can't handle this. Thank you. Also, improving the facilities at school. Thanks. Um, has meant that they have less time off from illness. And by teaching them also some different hygiene practices, it means that information also gets spread to their families, meaning less illness at home also. Thank you. Uh, one of the projects you've supported is fuel-efficient stoves. Um, by teaching this method of making these stoves, it has improved their health reduced the risk of um, respiratory, respiratory disease, has given them more time because that uses about half of the amount of firewood that a traditional fire would use, and it also means that they then have time for income generation. Another project that you've been involved in is uh, helping us introduce uh, methods of um, conservation agriculture that will increase the yield of their crops uh, two or three times um, and even in drought situations it has made the difference between 
a crop and no crop. Thank you. Another project uh, you're involved in or have been involved in is helping to keep girls in school. Girls in Uganda can lose, and a, a number of places in Africa, can lose up to a week a month uh, in school because of their periods and because of not knowing how to uh, deal with them or having the supplies to deal with them, they simply stay away from school. Once they've missed so much school, they decide that it's easier to drop out because they just can't keep up. So this project enables them to stay in school. You've also helped us very quickly to uh, respond to crisis. This is um, the uh, typhoon that went through the Philippines in 2013, and we were able to uh, respond with uh, food and some uh, basic supplies to help them rebuild. And again, in Haiti, um, you were able to help us uh, respond to the earthquake there. This has taken, actually, it took probably five years to uh, respond and rebuild from this earthquake. And unfortunately, at the latter end of last year, they had another devastating earthquake, probably of similar magnitude. So they're in some, uh, some parts starting again. Thank you. Uh, you've also, some of you may know, um, you've also sent people. We encourage you to send people. You're welcome to send people as well. So if any of you are being challenged, you know, you can come talk to me. But these are some of the people that have come, gone out from your congregation in the past and have served overseas. Uh, Dave went on, Dave Bainbridge went on to serve many years with Emmanuel International and is still in ministry. Uh, he's with Christian Blind Mission right now, but he was with Tear Fund. Um, so it has been a, a huge heritage that you have in sending and praying and supporting people. And your, your uh, most recent donation that came in towards the end of last year is being used, um, is going to be used in Brazil. And our um, rep from Brazil has a, a message for you. It's... Your donation will help fund some of the projects there. 
showing God's love in our love to the community people through their own interest and concern for all their needs are a wonderful way to present the gospel. In that genuine love draws people close to God. Thank you so much for your donation and for your prayers. God bless you. I thought it would uh, be good for you to meet Fred since he's going to be the person uh, responding to this community. One of the things we do very carefully is we don't go into a community and tell them what they need. We go into a community to listen to them and see how we can, with the church, help them. So that's what Fred's doing right now this weekend. They've already given ideas of what they'd like to do, and so he is spending some time with them. The other reason that he is talking to you is because there's no way in, on earth I could have pronounced the name of the community that he's going to. So, yeah, I just, again, it's just a really brief overview. You've been involved with Emmanuel for 37, 38 years now, so this is just a, a touch of what you have uh, enabled us to work with the church and do. I just wanted to uh, thank you for that. Um, I could spend a long time telling you what each project, how it worked. I just wanted to give you a picture. So thank you. Thanks. I also wanted to share with you um, this passage, Psalm 139. It means a lot to me. It has been instrumental in my journey. It's been instrumental in the start of my journey uh, with God. And I just wanted to uh, share a little bit of what that meant. Um, there are three things I feel in this passage. One is it tells me that God knows me. It tells me that God loves me. And it tells me that God has plans for me. I shared a little bit already in the nine o'clock service, some of which uh, you will hear now, some of which I will uh, leave, uh, leave. But the main thing I wanted to share with you is how much this passage has told me that God knows me. Okay, it says at the beginning, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. And in verse 5, in the um, New Living Translation, it says, You go before me and follow me. Your pla you place your hand of blessing on my head. I used this slightly differently earlier this morning. Now I'm going to tell you what this means in my life and my journey. So remember I gave you a, a little bit of a random fact. I worked with Emmanuel International in Jamaica for a year I'd never been out of England. I'd never known anything. I, I grew up in an environment that was fairly... Uh, the major conflict was between Catholic and Protestant. Um, and, you know, those kind of conflicts were around me. But that was the only type of conflict or only difference I had experienced. So I went to Canada and I had three months of training to do this ministry that I was going to do in Jamaica. And I... The day arrived for me to go to Jamaica. Got on a plane, second time in my life on a plane. I arrived in Jamaica and an old beat-up Toyota truck 
picked us up. So it had sort of like a, a cage side or wooden planked sides, and we all piled into the back of this truck. Okay, so that's the first thing. We're in the back of this truck. All of our luggage got piled in as well. And we took off to our destination, which was quite a long way, and it took quite a long time. And all along the way, the truck would stop, and they would pick people up, and people would get off, and then, you know, we'd go a bit further, and somebody would get on, and they'd get off. And, and we found out a lot later that our vehicle was the only one that travelled to where we were going, so of course, he wasn't going to leave people on the side of the road. Gets to dark, and the vehicle stops again. It's dark, we can't see. Everybody piles off. Well, they've been doing that all day, so nothing new. So we sit there. Sit there. And then a bunch of little kids come down, and they start taking all our bags off the truck. And they take off. And it's dark. And they take off with all our stuff. And we're still sitting on this truck. I'm like, what's going on? And then somebody comes down and goes, uh, you're supposed to be getting off as well? Oh, okay. We get off. And we go up, and there's no electricity in this community. There's no running water. It's, it's at the end of the road, literally. If we'd have stopped in the daylight, we'd have realized there was no more road. But, of course, it was dark. So they come down with little bottles, pop glass pop bottles with kerosene in, paper wrapped up, shoved in the top, and lit. That's your torch. Where I grew up, that was a Molotov cocktail, and it was used for very different things, right? So I'm going up this hill, and all the time going, ha, God, you've made a mistake. You don't know what you're doing. What, like, this is ridiculous. And I get into this building, and I sit down on the bench, and there's all of these people in there, and they're, you know, coming up and saying hi, they're quite loud, they have a different culture than me, I'm very quiet, I'm sitting in the corner going, God, <laughs> can I get out of this? Is, is, is there a way back? I don't know where I am, so I'm not sure I can get home, but surely you've made a mistake. And there was a little boy at the end of the uh, bench, far more comfortable with children than adults at this point in my life. And so I smile at him, and he's got the most fantastic smile, big eyes. And I just sort of said to him, what's your name? You've got to say something, right? And he looks at me, he's about seven, and he goes, my name is Everton. <laughs> and at that point, God says to me, I know you. I love you, and I know what I'm doing. Verse 5 says, You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. My year in Jamaica wasn't always easy. There was challenges. There was learning to, to get to know each other, the different foods, the different culture. We were trying to help in areas. They were trying to teach us in areas. But for that whole time, I could confidently say I was in the right place. God knew me. He went before me, and he was following me. And that's true for all of us. Our God knows us completely, and he knows each one of us. 
And he doesn't put us somewhere that with him we can't deal with. So if God is challenging you in any way, I would, I would sort of say, you know, clarify it with some friends maybe. But if God is challenging you to do something, then don't be afraid. Because he's not doing it because he wants to give you a hard time. He's doing it because he loves you and he wants you to be involved in his ministry. So that's the first thing. By the way, that I know what I want to do, you can have my life, to the, this my name is Everton, that was 11 years, okay? So it doesn't necessarily happen tomorrow. That was 11 years. And God did things in my life that made me able to do that without me knowing. <clears throat> so, verse... 14 of this also is another thing for us to grasp and for us to respond to. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. We, can, we are complex people, but we can praise God because he made us and he made us complex. But we can praise God for who he made us and what he made us to do. And the last thing um, in this psalm, you will have noticed it starts with an acknowledgement. It starts with, O oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. So that's the acknowledgement. We know God knows us. But it finishes with something different. <clears throat> it finishes with an invitation. And the invitation goes like this. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So it goes from going, yeah, I know you know me, to know me some more and help me to walk this journey with you. Give me the wisdom I need to walk this journey and to follow you. So start with, it's great God you know me, and ends with, how can I know you more? And how can I walk more with you? And I think the words of the, we've already uh, today committed to following some of that because we've already sang, you are faithful and we will trust in you. That was the end of our last song. So we do serve a faithful God and we can have the confidence to trust in him. Thank you.